This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal sales boomed during fiscal 21, with General Services Administration buying vehicles reporting sales records. That shouldn't be a surprise given record appropriations in response to the pandemic. My next guest says that despite the strength of the market, though, dark clouds hover over contractors. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners, and he joins me now. And just what are the dark clouds hanging over what was a record year? Tom, the dark clouds are the whole host of new rules and regulations that are coming down, not just on GSA scheduled contractors, things like the vaccine mandate, of course, affect contractors across the board, but specifically inside GSA, talking about uh, putting new rules in on the contractor minimum wage. That's new to the schedule, if not new to government procurement. Uh, New rules on greenhouse gas emissions, trying to find ways to provide positive evaluations for people who are eco-friendly. That's new ground and requires contractors to track things that they may not be tracking now and not just track them, but try to quantify them. Uh, In addition, you have new cyber reporting requirements and of course, the continued imposition of secure supply chain policies. Those are just some things that are government unique burdens that add to the cost of doing business through what are admittedly popular contract vehicles, but Keep in mind that many of the companies that sell through these are inherently commercial and that the new terms GSA wants to add are really unique to these companies' government business. And then there is the possibility of services contractors being forced to hire their competitors' employees should they win an incumbent's contract away from that incumbent. That's right. We've seen this uh, circle around before, Tom. It pops up every few years, particularly when we have a Democrat in the White House, as we do now with President Biden. This is something that uh, they try to do for labor unions. And what it means is if you're a contractor recompeting for a services project, maybe you have a new and innovative way of developing that service. You win the contract, you want to implement your innovative solution, not so fast because to the extent that you're hiring people, the people who worked for the contractor you just displaced get the right of first refusal to have their jobs uh, in the new contract. Whether or not you were bidding for exactly those jobs uh, or were proposing to deliver that solution a new way, that poses some interesting questions for contractors. Is there any real benefit to being innovative if all I am going to do is have to hire somebody else's people to do the work that I just want? Or is it worthwhile spending time and money training and developing your people if they are simply public property to be taken by whoever happens to win the next contract? Right. And in fact, we've seen this happen in government contracts uh, to some extent over time, Tom, when uh, the same workers work for the same agencies, the color of their badge changes based on the company they're working for. Uh, but this is a little bit more than that. Uh, you're talking about uh, people who, you know, today there may be 100 people supporting a contract in a given area. It gets recompeted. The recompeting contractor says, I don't need 100 people. I need 60 people, and I'm going to do the rest with technology and AI. You, you know, what are you going to do with some of those people uh, that aren't going to have a position that you can offer them 
and who gets to be who gets to stay on board and and maybe you had your own specially trained people that you were going to dedicate to this contract this is something that we see come back and it is a real concern for service contractors sure and uh, maybe the government didn't hire the old company because it couldn't stand the people that it had on the contract <laughs> right for a reason there may be have been a reason that Somebody else won the recompete. We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners, and also from the Coalition for Federal Procurement, which you headed many years ago. Their recent conference, it came to light how many of the GSA existing vehicles are up for renewal now. And that's so So to the positive side of the ledger, there's some opportunities coming. There really are some positive sides uh, at GSA, Tom. Uh, they're a very busy agency. Uh, they are... Uh, announced last week that they are going to start planning for Alliant 3. Alliant 2 is the agency's main IT indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity vehicle. It's very popular, so popular, in fact, that uh, it is going to hit its contract ceiling earlier than anticipated. That's why GSA is starting on the follow-on earlier than anticipated. Uh, So that'll be fun. That comes at the same time that the agency is trying to get their small business IT vehicle Polaris out the door. GSA announced last week that they're going to start uh, rolling out the RFP for that in January, starting with women-owned small businesses and then rolling it out gradually to others. Uh, This comes on top of uh, the agency just awarding its Astro contract that does some very technical things through GSA's FedSim organization. Uh, so, and then not to mention the services Mac that uh, is under construction that will replace GSA's uh, services contract Oasis. Yeah. So these are coming along and I want to get back to the point we opened with. Maybe you could just give us some of the numbers around sales that were much higher than people maybe expected because of the pandemic. But the government doesn't have recessions or depressions or setbacks. Well, the government it is, was blessed, as you said in the outset, Tom, with uh, full-year preparations or close to it and a robust FY20 to follow up on. And at the same time, there were some definite challenges to meet via acquisition. Many of them were pandemic-related, everything from masks and gloves to making sure that remote workers had laptops and other tools they needed to work uh, from home. And where do you go to get those needs filled easily and quickly? Well, you go to standing contract vehicles, just like the ones the GSA has. So it shouldn't be a surprise that federal agencies turn to GSA to meet those across the board needs. The result is that if you look in the services portfolio, and you count all of the service portfolio work, including this purchase card work that GSA does, uh, sales in that portfolio, that, again, including purchase card, were over $50 billion uh, for FY21. If you look in the IT world and just the schedules uh, world and the, the uh, IT GWAX, uh, the number was well over $30 billion through those programs. Tremendous amount of business that goes through these. I think it shows a couple of things. One, agencies trust GSA to deliver them quality solutions. B, it's easy for agencies to use these vehicles. And three, 
contractors uh, on those programs have well-established reputations that federal agencies can trust. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Very mixed bag here. Thanks so much for joining me. Tom, thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him. 
was my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon 
they stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Winter season is here, and Discount Tire wants you to stay safe on the road. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you taken care of.